0: If your favorite show is What We Do in the Shadows.
1: If you desperately want to know what happens in People of Earth. If you're
0: still mad that there was no end to Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency.
1: If you're still dreaming of joining the Detective Agency because they haven't recruited you yet.
0: Then you're in the right place. Absolutely. This is Strange Shenanigans. I'm Stan.
1: I'm Ashley.
0: And we've got a couple different things for you today. Ashley, what have you got?
1: I'm going to talk about a haunted well in Maine.
0: I have stories of Bigfoot or Sasquatch or the Hairy Man.
1: Waku in fear in Maine.
0: Yep, from uh, the Native American tribes. Let's get right. right into it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Are you going to start or am I going to start?
1: I can kick us off.
0: Go ahead, Ashley.
1: All right. So, if you are into weird stuff, you've probably heard of The Haunted Well of Sebattis But I've, I've never heard of this. Me neither. I've never heard of it at all. Apparently, it's a thing. It's been everywhere. Yep. So, let's get started. So, I'm going to tell you the tale of The Haunted Well of Sabatis. Featured on sites like Journey on the Backroads of Maine, Creepy Pastas, and Scary Legends, 94.9 WHOM, New England Legends, Unexplained Maine, many Reddit and Facebook threads, so it's totally legit. Right. <laughs> um, Central Maine Ghost Hunters are on YouTube, 92 Moose FM, OnlyInYourState.com, and it's even listed on the Travel Channel's Creepiest Urban Legends from each state. Nice. Most importantly, though, I found it in the Sun Journal, a main newspaper that's been around since 1847. What? I mean, the story's top-notch. Once I heard of it, I was hooked. So here's the whole story. Many years ago, in an age when kids still did this kind of thing, a group of children were out on adventures in the wood, uh, woods of Sabatis. Off in the rolling fields on the outskirts, they came across the remnants of a long ago farm, which now isn't much of anything but heaps of rotted boards buried in overgrown grass. The well is still standing, however, and this was the source of the kid's great enthusiasm. All the children at the time knew of this well. It was said to be haunted, although the nature of the haunting was never very clear. Exactly how a hole in the ground, especially one topped by an ornate wishing well roof, could be inhabited by ghosts is what these boys wanted to know. So the kids do what all kids with curious spirits will do in such circumstances. They find a way to more directly explore the mystery. In particular, they held a short vote to decide which of them would get the honor of being lowered down into the well to see whatever was to be seen down there in the dank darkness always a good idea i know right we all did stupid stuff as a kid
0: (laughs) i didn't want anybody to lower me into a well
1: (laughs) well nobody seems to remember the name of the lad who was elected for the task i assumed he like got the shortest stick or something yep but he went into the venture with great zeal it took the boys some time to rig the bucket ropes in such a way to support their friend on the journey down But they were an inventive bunch, and down their lucky friend went into the abyss that had so captivated them. What came out of that well a few minutes later was not their friend at all. It looked like their friend, a little bit, sure. But the boy's hair had gone pure white, as white as the clouds that floated above them in the summer sky. The boy's face was horrifically pale and lined, the face of a very old man, rather than that of the sweet ten year old kid who had accepted the mission with such youthful gusto. But mostly it was his eyes. The eyes, bright blue just minutes ago, were now black. Yeah. They were wild, frightened eyes, haunted by some terrible image only they beheld. They were the eyes of utter madness, and indeed madness is what emerged from the well that hot Saturday in the wild of Sebattis. The boy never spoke a coherent word again in his lifetime. As the story goes, when he spoke it all, he spoke in terrified gibberish of things no sane human mind could comprehend. That's it? That's it. Oh, man. That's the tale. This tale was written by Mark Flemme. Did, did I let that slip? It was written by a guy named Mark Laflemme. LaFlemm? Yeah. You heard me, though. It was written by a clearly brilliant writer, Mark of Maine, for an AOL writing contest <laughs> of some sort in 1998 he also wrote about a haunted swing set and a tale about a fisherman who caught his dead dad or something like that mr Laflem, i'm sorry i'm probably saying your name wrong wrote this made-up story about a well that doesn't even exist in (laughs) sabbatis and it somehow has stuck now i'm a born and raised manor and never heard of this story before I only came across it because of the Facebook group, Unexplained Maine.
0: Of course. Totally legit. You're right.
1: <laughs> and I Those knew-
0: silly kids. We
1: had to do an episode. And Lazy me was like, this is going to be so easy to write. I'll have it whipped up in no time. And I mean, it, it was. It was like <laughs> super easy to write. I found the story on every single site I listed at the start of this episode. Not one of them noting that this story was all made up. (laughs) Yeah. Most importantly, though, I found this piece written by Mark Laflemme in the Sun Journal about him writing this piece and about how it's all made up. Every single word. He says that about five people reach out every single year to him about this piece, wanting to do an investigation about the well and how he can show them where it is. And he does write in his article that he tells every single one of them that he made it up. (laughs) (laughs) And they still keep begging him to show him where this well is.
0: That's insane. I mean,
1: Central Maine Ghost Hunters has a YouTube video. About this well. About
0: the well that doesn't exist? That
1: doesn't exist. That he wrote for an AOL short story <laughs> contest in 1998. And you know what? God love him. One. <laughs> well, obviously. Right? This is a
0: good story. He wrote me in.
1: Right? He's my hero. But it doesn't seem to matter to anyone that he made it up at all. So I guess I'm kind of calling out all these local radio stations and Maine's friendly ghost hunters. This story is awesome, fake, and it's super disappointing that all you guys are making money off of another guy's AOL short story entry and claiming it's a real haunted main tale. So while we're on the topic, this is the story of the haunted well. Do we have our money now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back with the stories of Bigfoot.
1: Which are very less made up.
0: Okay, we're back. Hello! Yay! Alright, this is going to be about the uh, Native American tales uh, where of where Bigfoot originates from. From their stories. And he's not called Bigfoot, mind you, in most of them. Every 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 Native American tribe has its own name for it. I'll go over a few of those. But, uh, and the stories come from all across America. I only did some of the, the, the big ones, but... Uh, Mostly focusing on the uh, pictographs in the caves in Sonora, California.
1: Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm.
0: With all the modern, hard-to-swallow stories of Bigfoot that come to us from unreliable and grainy sources, I thought it would be good to dive back into the history of Bigfoot or Sasquatch in American and Canadian history. Many Native people have legends and stories of the hairy man, most of which are far more compelling than the recent accounts that mostly seem fantastical at best it would make more sense for a giant being who is one with his environment to have connected to the first peoples of America rather than the diesel-driving, tobacco-chewing, boot-clomping outdoorsmen <laughs> of today. I have no guff with these guys, because I am one. But I, I doubt, well, aside from my long hair and beard, that a naturalist creature of war has any reason to think of me as a compatriot in any way. If there is or was such thing as a being... It would make more sense that they would have been more keen on encounters with a society that respected and revered their existence and not guys like me who honestly would be caught between the urges of denying my own eyesight completely or leveling up my rifle sight to shoot him. (laughs)
1: Like the Bangor Wigan Courier. Can we eat it? Can we eat it? Exactly.
0: (laughs) Most people believe the Native American term for Bigfoot is Sasquatch. That is wrong.
1: Oh.
0: Um, It's... Most likely Sasquatch is a mispronunciation of the Salish word, uh, Sesquits. This word, which I probably just mispronounced myself, but I got it closer than Sasquatch. Closer, yeah. This word was used mostly by the Squamish tribes of the Pacific Northwest. The spelling of the name varies between tribes, but it seems they are all talking about the same being. They were said to be supernatural, hairy wild men that were huge in stature. Native American legend often states that the, uh, Sesquits could also move into the spiritual realm, which would hold some reason as to why none of us can ever find them. Mm. While most people associate Bigfoot and the Native American stories with the Pacific Northwest, uh, there are more. They're they're all over the country. The Chicksaw of Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi have the Wafa. The Shaney of the Great Plains have the Maximista. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I got it close. The Klota, uh had uh, Chaitanka. There was even some uh, greater overlapping areas uh, of the Salish. Uh, Stick Indians is what they they referred to as Bigfoot. That's how it would be translated. I don't know how it's said in their language.
1: Oh, that's neat.
0: Uh, the Chinook had a legend of a mountain monster known as Skokum. In Alaska, the Aetna called them woodmen. Uh, sometimes these creatures are described as man-eaters and killers other times they are helpful for spirits uh some of the legends are terrifying and some of them are just like modern bigfoot stories right um the lava is was uh described as more ogre like the lava being the uh chickasaw version uh Lafa translating to Skinner or Flayer because he liked to kill humans and had an overpoweringly disgusting smell.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Yep. Uh, the Maximista is also described as having an overpowering odor, as does the Choctaw legend of the hairy man known as Champ. Um, I've got a little bit about the uh, pictographs that can be found... ...in uh, Sonora, California. So these pictographs, they're, they're called the Painted Rocks. They're on the Tool River Indian Reservation... Um, ...by Porterville, California. Um, and the pictographs show a picture of what is very clearly... ...a Bigfoot or Sasquatch. They called him the Hairy Man. Um, the Hairy Man it, the, is actually in a lot of uh, different paintings... ...throughout America and Canada... But what's special about this one is he has a family.
1: Aww, there's, I always said he was a there's family There's a hairy yeah.
0: woman and a hairy baby.
1: Oh <laughs> I love it.
0: The Painted Rock uh, is a rock uh, is a rock shelter associated with prehistoric village. The site located uh, right beside the Tool River uh, is a is pitted boulders, uh, mortar, and uh, a whole range of different pictographs, which Uh, actually depict most of the religion of the Yukats. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but (laughs) I'm trying, okay? Um, It includes the male Bigfoot, who is gigantic, the woman, and their child. There's also the coyote, beaver, bear, frog, caterpillar, centipede, humans, eagle, condor, lizard, and various lines and circles and geometric designs. All the paintings in red, black, white, and yellow. The most dominant pictograph in the painted rock is of the Hairy Man, though. Aww. It's larger than all the rest. Hairy Man re- measures to 2.6 meters high, um, 1.9 meters wide, is red and black and white. His painting represents a two legged creature with its arms widespread. He has what appears to be long hair, large haunting e- eyes and the Yokuts identify the lines coming from his eyes as tears because Hairy Man is sad, according to their creation story. Oh, The pictograph is currently in horrible condition because of weather and because of shitty people
1: Aww. who have
0: vandalized it throughout hundreds of years.
1: Oh, it's horrible.
0: It is still visible, and you still can see it. Um, let's see. I've got some of the, uh, the creation stories. There are a few different... Versions of the stories that are still told to this day of who the hairy man is and what his story represents. Um, the most common story of the hairy man is uh, food stealing. <laughs> I like this one the best too. In the old days, women learned never to leave their acorn meal unattended. They would spend all day pounding on the big rocks near the river, making the acorn meal, and then take it down to the river to leach it. They would then leave it in the sun to dry, but they would come back and it would be gone. They would find big footprints in the sand where they left the meal, and they would know that the hairy man took it. He likes Indian food and knows to wait until the acorn is leached of its bitterness before taking it. He'll, the people always wondered if he liked the sound of the woman pounding the acorn and knew when to come and get it.
1: <laughs> I love that. That is the most
0: prominent story of the hairy man, is that he comes to steal your acorn meal, which is by far like the best one of the group of them. In the other story... Uh, Harry Man meets with the other animals... Who are deciding how to design a human. All the animals give humans their own attributes. The owl says the human should be good at hunting. Um, the coyote, though, wants him to move on four legs. And the hairy Man disagrees. The Harry Man says he should be on two legs, like me. So the coyote leaves... And the animals decide... That that humans will walk on two legs like the hairy man. And so, when the coyote finds and sees his first human, he's furious. And he goes <laughs> and he swallows the moon, which is part of one of the tales, which leaves uh, hairy man quite sad.
1: <laughs>
0: but hairy man is also happy because they walk on two legs like him.
1: He's got bodies. Mm-hmm.
0: So I like all these stories a lot better than, you know, the dudes in the camo with the southern accent. Or oh, I saw me a shamsquatch. <laughs> you know, it's it just it's got a more elegance and actual authentic story. To like it. it's
1: believable.
0: Yeah. And not only that, it's, it's believable that, that something like a Bigfoot or Sasquatch could have existed in a time pre-white people.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Before we came and destroyed everything. We have
1: a tendency to mess a, things which up. Which <laughs> is
0: the, essentially the third story and why the hairy man is crying and sad oh. is because people have come after they created them and ruined everything.
1: Yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of like our reputation.
0: Yeah. So, but I I like that, you know, he's not he's not depicted al- Originally, he was depicted alone, but somebody came back not many years later and painted his family with it.
1: Because he had a family.
0: Because when they they dated the the pictures, all the other pictures, the animals and the male male Sasquatch, were the same age. And then... But the two family members, the female Sasquatch and the baby Sasquatch, were a couple hundred years later. Hmm. All of which are uh, uh, pre-Anno-Dominion. You know, pre-AD. So... It wasn't like somebody came in and, like, graffitied it. It was like, oh, he needs a lady, you know? <laughs> it was either something added into the into the folklore or somebody saw it.
1: Oh, that's so... I love that he has a family.
0: Right? I think it's much better than how we picture it today.
1: I like how we... The tales I found in our last episode of Maynard seeing Bigfoot. Right. We just left him alone.
0: Right, as as opposed to like we just watched uh, that uh, that Monster Quest the other day. Oh yeah,
1: on History Channel. On History Channel, yeah, yep. And
0: everything in the the Sasquatch episode in Canada is just massively hard to believe in the first place. And then these uh, these you know pseudo outdoorsmen slash scientists go outside <laughs> go out to to encounter this. This Bigfoot that's been wreaking havoc on this outpost uh, fishing lodge that's only
1: But they're too scared to face him. Yeah,
0: but when when they think that he's actually throwing rocks at them in the middle of the night, no one goes out to actually look at it. No, they
1: go hide. They go
0: hide inside. It's like, I'm sorry, but if you're a true scientist and a true outdoorsman, my first thing is like, we gotta go out. I don't care if it eats one of us, we gotta do it.
1: But yeah, if you're... If Which you're, in
0: some Native American war, he would eat you.
1: That's true. Yes. But if, I mean, if that's your quest, you know, if you're paid to find Bigfoot, if that's whatever field you chose... Right. Don't go hide.
0: Don't go hide, go right? Go find him. What bothered me more, even more about that episode, is uh, they, they have this bear trap at the front of the door. Which that, is horrible. W- that's supposed to deter the Sasquatch... And or bear from getting back into their cabin, which is a bunch of galvanized screws through a board. So not only are you inflicting a massive amount of, you know, damage to this animal's foot, and so much pain, introducing all sorts of infection with oh you know, yeah they're screws. all rusting nails it was uh, disgusting screws which do not pull out like a nail no. does, um, but they're like oh there's matter on it. Mind you, it's been two years in the Canadian wilderness <laughs> right. since the thing stepped on it. We're like, there's DNA in there. No, there's not. And when they take it to a DNA lab, they're like, there's nothing in there we can use. It's all garbage. It so bold. he goes back and decides he's doing his own DNA analysis of it. Phil and he's gonna take out all the rust and galvanize yeah. and all that crap out of it. It's like I'm sorry, but if the DNA expert told me that they couldn't do it, I don't believe that you
1: right do so it. he's gonna go do it himself mm-hmm. but that's their method of catching it. yep screws on a board to give him severe infection. oh my infection God, oh my and God. Hurt him.
0: not only that but the uh the they kept saying the term camera trap. we're setting camera traps yeah, camera the trail trap. cams. Camera trap. It's a trail cam <laughs> jeez. What sort of outdoorsman calls it a camera trap? <laughs> I don't
1: know. This is why I like our tales, our main tales of seeing Bigfoot, because we just, we left him alone. Like,
0: oh, man, there's a Bigfoot. Yep. Have a nice day, Bigfoot. We left him alone. See you later.
1: Well, I learned from uh, researching about our our Bigfoot, our version of Bigfoot, when I was reading articles by John Bear Mitchell, who I guess is our like main Bigfoot expert. And he um, is like a head professor or something at UMaine for Wabanaki Studies. Yeah. He says that Bigfoot is a peaceful man and his people always wanted to learn how to live in harmony with him and just leave him be. And apparently... He's hanging out with Mount Katahdin,
0: right? That'd be which funny.
1: I just love. Right, <laughs> I love the most the thought prominent
0: of. thing in the entire state. That right yeah, there. he's
1: hanging out at Mount Katahdin. He's a peaceful guy, and we live in harmony. And we leave him alone, and he leaves us alone. And I think that's a way that's better awesome. story.
0: If you want a good uh, a good sci-fi story that involves Native American tales and uh, kind of cryptic Cryptozoology Beings, uh, Haunted M- Mesa, is a fantastic book. You take all the garbage that Louis L'Amour wrote through his life, <laughs> oh. throw it in the trash can, and pick up this one random sci-fi book that <laughs> that the Western writer wrote. And it is one of the most interesting, awesome stories with a lot of research into like like uh, Native American folklore to write the story. It is so cool. If you want a good story... Haunted Mesa by Lewis L'Amour.
1: And if you want to get the family involved, obviously the movie we just watched last night. The Missing Link.
0: Oh, Missing Link. That that was that was that was hilarious.
1: Missing Link is about I, I think they're British. Yep. Yeah,
0: the British scientists. The so. British
1: scientists who are looking for Bigfoot and Bigfoot sent him a letter. Yep. Right?
0: Like,
1: yep. <laughs> and it so was like, I'm right here, I wanna work with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was awesome it
0: was very funny so you,
1: the the key is you gotta get the kids started early in this yep so they grow up and want to go bigfoot hunting with you now like mm-hmm. ours do right
0: <laughs> i think that's all we have for you today folks
1: i hope i didn't soul crush you with the not haunted well <laughs> um i'm gonna be sure to post this episode on unexplained Maine, answering that lady's question about who knows about the haunted well Right. I do. I do. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. You're
1: welcome. Thank you for inspiring me. <laughs>
0: um. Well, with the I didn't realize there was such a depth of the hairy man, Sasquatch, and Bigfoot stories in Native American folklore. Oh yeah. So we might come back to it and, and look at Canada and look at uh, the Northeast because everything I talked about was Middle America to to the West Coast.
1: Changing you know? it up. Yeah. All right. Well, remember, you can find us on Strange Shenanigans on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Patreon, because we're that awesome. You can also find us under The Strange Show on Twitter, Podbean, Tumblr, and SoundCloud. Keep
0: it strange, folks.